in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the show. Just Brady G and I tonight, uh, breaking down really what was a horrendous Sunday night football game, BG, for, for your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Mike Zimmer was a problem again. Kirk Cousins was a major problem. Uh, his worst game of the season uh, by far. The offensive line was bad. Uh, everything besides that first drive offensively was a disaster. And their one good drive in the second half. Uh, to get that go-ahead field goal uh, was aided by, I think, three penalties for uh, 45 yards. So, again, we have the same problem of not being able to do anything offensively uh, after that first scripted series. And the first scripted series, again, looked great. March right down the field, score a touchdown to Adam Thielen. Uh, and then there's just nothing from there on out the rest of the game. The defense was was okay at times, was, again, terrible when we needed them most, uh, and the Vikings find a way to lose to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys at home in a game you're favored by four points, in a game you really have to win uh, before you go on a gauntlet now of the schedule where it's going to be hard to do anything. And on top of all of that, you lose your best defensive player in Daniel Hunter for the rest of the season. BG, not a lot of hope right now for the Minnesota Vikings. It's really tough to find a few bright spots if – if any, from this past weekend against Dallas. Um, we had the same issues that have gone wrong for us earlier in the season. Those continued to go wrong this past Sunday, um, including the play calling, clock management, um, just how we went around the game plan as a whole. So that went wrong per usual, but there's just so many different aspects that also went wrong um, in that game. Not being able to march down the field at all except for that first drive not being able to stop the run not being able to stop the pass not being able to to stop the Dallas Cowboys defensive line and give Kirk a good amount of time and you set up but this was by far Kirk Cousins worst game of this year I, I up to this point I felt like he didn't have a bad game um, maybe against the Browns, maybe that was partially him, partially the play calling. But this is by far the worst, uh, the worst game that Kirk has played this year. And obviously, it sucks that it comes over a primetime game because media outlets, fans—I mean, even us—are going to ding him on that primetime game record. Um, but it's just so frustrating against the Cowboys, against Cooper Rush, been in the league for four years, never started a game. It just adds on to Mike Zimmer's resume of backup quarterbacks that we've lost to in the past however many years. I think it's up to either five or six backup quarterbacks that have beaten us. And right now I'm in the boat that something has to go. We've got far too great of a team uh, to put up as little points as we did and to get marched down the field on by Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I was reading a great piece today from uh, Arif Hassan at The Athletic, uh, kind of breaking down a lot of the numbers to to Kirk Cousins and to Mike Zimmer's records now. Uh, and one of the stats he was talking about was Mike Zimmer and his record against backup quarterbacks. It is 60%. I don't remember the exact the total numbers. It was like 12 games I think they've had now uh, in the last however many years for Zim. But 
it's 60%. And that's sounds okay. That sounds like, oh, that's decent. But if you look at the numbers of teams that make the playoffs and teams that also finish above 500, uh, they on average beat backup quarterbacks at an 80% rate. And if you look at teams that finish below 500, they on average beat backup quarterbacks at a 64% rate. And the Vikings falling just behind that at a 60% rate. That's a stat that is bodes terribly for Mike Zimmer, his future here as, as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. Um, and there was just so many times, again, uh, on Sunday night, BG, where it, it's like Zim taking two timeouts on the third and 16. I know he didn't take the first one. Uh, somebody else took the first one, I guess. And then he took the second one. He just said he forgot. He, he forgot. In the biggest moment of the game, third and 16, you hold him to a field goal, you force overtime, assuming they make it, uh, and you have a chance to still win the game. Zim calls a second timeout, five-yard penalty, goes to third. And 11 still in, in a decent situation, but the difference between third and 16 and third and 11 by the numbers is, is a, you know, another 10, 15% chance of converting that third down. So Zim doesn't help his defense out there. It, it gets to third and 11. They throw a check down, which the media has been blasting Kirk all week, and rightfully so in many cases, sometimes not rightfully so. Cooper Rush throws a check down to Zeke Elliott. He breaks Anthony Barr's tackle. He breaks Mackenzie Alexander's tackle. And then he runs through Cam Dantzler and, and picks up an extra three yards after he, he picked up that first down. Gets it all the way down to the four-yard line. They throw the fade next play. Boom, that's all she wrote. And, and that's just compounding mistakes. I mean, and you got to blame Zimmer for almost all of them. He's the guy who brought Anthony Barr back. He's the guy who, at the last second in the 11th hour of the deal with the Jets, convince Barr to come back to Minnesota, take a pay cut, stay here, and help them finish off what they started. And that guy, Anthony Barr, at the time that maybe Zimmer has needed him most in his entire career here, couldn't come through. Couldn't come through with a pretty simple tackle. Really two guys on one. And it's not like they even tripped up Zeke. He ran right through him and had maybe more, more speed after he went through him, I mean, it was a ridiculous play, and you don't want to break it down to just one thing. Uh, but that that two-play combination for Mike Zimmer, in my opinion, lost him his job. And it just, I mean, it summarizes the whole game, right? We can't get off the field on defense. Um, we've got Breland and Dantzler just playing 10 yards off uh, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper to start each play. They can dump and dink it to either of those guys, or they can throw it past them because those are two good receivers and two really subpar cornerbacks. And we just cannot get off the field defensively against Cooper Rush, who can hand off the ball willingly and get uh, a good amount of yards or just throw it and have a better completion percentage, more yards per attempt um, than Kirk Cousins. And on the offensive side, going one for 13 on third downs, it's just almost impressive how bad that is as an NFL team to try to convert on third down and go one for 13. It's so bad. It's nearly impressive, but it's just simple things. It should be simple with the talent we have on offense, with the talent we have on defense, even with some injuries um, back to what Zimmer said. I think it was after the week one loss to the Cincinnati Bengals talking to the team saying I've coached bad teams before and I've coached good teams. What we've got going on is a good team. Like the talent in this locker room, we are a good team. So why are we, three and four right now and losing to Cooper rush, losing to the Bengals, losing games that we shouldn't lose with this roster. It's not the lack of talent. I think it's a lack of 
coaching. It's a lack of play calling and responsibility, which I think falls on Zimmer, Kubiak, um, and just not adjusting uh, to, to football and how it's changed since Zimmer arrived seven or eight years ago. Um, and being so conservative with play callings and just game management that has directly lost us at least one game. You can make the argument for two or three. That's been a direct result of Zimmer's lack to, to be modernized um, and, and stop being so conservative. It's just, it's frustrating and something has got to change. I, I really hope it does. But the way we have it right now with our offensive coordinator and our, our head coach, it's, a recipe for disaster long-term, I think. Yeah, and I just have gotten to the point now with this team, with these with these two guys, Zimmer and Cousins, where I just, they can't win together. This is not a combination that's going to work. And it's now been three, is this third year of Cousins, fourth year of Cousins here? And we still, we're, we're finding ways to, to rip defeat out of the jaws of victory and finding ways to lose to backup quarterbacks at home and finding ways to, to fumble and miss field goals and, and finding ways to call idiotic timeouts or not call timeouts at the end of first half. I mean, we're leaving points on the board basically every single week at the end of the first half. I mean, this is, I don't know how many weeks in a row, though, where it, it's been just a horrendous, that-can't-happen moment uh, with between Cousins and, and Zimmer. Not calling timeouts, calling timeouts. Who's calling timeouts it's Zimmer's job to call the timeouts. He doesn't call the timeouts. And then it goes to the next guy in charge, Kirk Cousins, who apparently said in the, in the post-game presser that he never calls timeouts. He leaves, it to the, he leaves it to the coach. And then Zim going back and saying, well, Kirk can call a timeout. And we're just left with this weird moment where it's like nobody wants to take any charge. And Zim today in his Monday presser, uh, or yesterday rather, in his Monday presser said, uh, it's my fault. I'll take responsibility for it. But it was not. It was very insincere. I have the. I have it queued up here. Uh, let's just take a listen. Tell me what you think of it, BG. Ability, but that was miscommunication. Um, I won't get into it. But there was a miscommunication, and uh, we we're trying to get on the ball. A receiver lined up wrong, and uh, took too much time. I mean that. Like, there's got to be more than just that. There's got to be okay. We're gonna do. We're gonna put somebody else in charge of the. There's gonna be an assistant coach now who's our. And maybe that's not even enough. But it's just getting to be so frustrating because it's the same things every week, and they're not correcting the mistakes. And Zimmer keeps telling us this is a good football team. He didn't say it this week in the presser. He was pretty downtrodden. It was a very interesting press conference. Uh, there was some strange moments in it, but uh, it's just such a weird dynamic between those two BG. It, it can't work. I think Zim's got to go. We're hamstrung with Cousins and his contract, and I don't think with the right coach, I think Zimmer, I think uh, Cousins rather, it could be just fine. We've seen flashes of him uh, being excellent, and when he's playing aggressive and they they're getting him into rollout situations where he doesn't have a free rusher coming right at him, and he has some time to work it downfield. And there was there was times uh, on Sunday night where he could have worked it downfield, and Cousins simply missed the reads. He simply didn't read the play right. He took the first option, and there was many chances to to give chances to our big big time star receivers and Thielen and Jefferson. He just simply didn't take those chances. Instead, he would check it down. And really, the one good throw he made uh, was to Tyler Conklin on that first series, the thirty one yard pass on third and one. I mean, it was an aggressive play call, and it was probably a scripted play call, uh, and it was a great throw and a great catch. And then they just simply 
turn away from that and don't do any any of the similar things they did uh, on that first series. Very, very disappointing, BG. And it was so frustrating to see talking about that first drive. Um, <clears throat> and we've talked about it in the past couple of weeks, but the scripted plays that a team has usually around 15 plays for the Vikings every single week, we just look so good with those first 15 plays for whatever reason. Um, we score pretty much on every single first drive that we have, no matter who we're playing um, the first drive of the game. And I thought, okay, this is off our bye week. So we had two weeks to prepare for this. Maybe Zimmer and Kubiak and just the Vikings organization as a whole are listening to fans and saying, we have to be more aggressive. We threw it to Conklin. We threw a long ball to Justin Jefferson that he wasn't able to come up with. We threw a fake screen pass to Thielen that he got that touchdown for. I was really encouraged and really excited that we were going to come out with intentionally being a different offense and being aggressive and throwing it downfield and using our threats like Jefferson and like Adam Thielen. And we did that, that first drive and it resulted in a super easy touchdown. And then from there, once we get out of the scripted plays, it's just back, uh, back to normal for us. It's the, you got to run two out of the three plays and put, it puts us in a position where it's either second and long or third and long. It seems like nearly half the time. And you said a Kirk, did not play a good game. He checked down far more than he should have. But part of that is just the play calling that gets us there. I know Kirk is um, pretty frantic when he has any pressure in his face. But third and long, defenses know that, and they're going to bring the pressure uh, against Kirk. And when he sees it, he's just going to fold, which is Kirk's fault partially because we don't have a Russell Wilson. We don't have an Aaron Rodgers. But you got to pl- call plays that get us out of that potential scenarios, and we have done none of that. Um, to accommodate Kirk Cousins. And it just shows, back to what you were saying before, the relationship between Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. I know it kind of broke out there when Everson Griffin left the team and said Mike Zimmer never wanted Kirk Cousins. And I think that's absolutely absolutely true. He didn't want the quarterback to be the highest-paid player on the team. He wanted to invest in his defense. And it's just not something you can really do nowadays. And that relationship with Zimmer and Cousins is not natural I remember they said before this season began that um, Cousins and Zimmer would watch film together for the first time ever. Why is this just happening now? You're the head coach and you're the QB one of the team. You should take that initiative. You should be that leader and talk to your quarterback. Okay, what do you think we should do here? Or, hey, I'm going to let you call timeouts or audibles at the line. We see that with great quarterbacks like Rodgers, full, complete control of timeouts. He probably calls an audible every single drive. We never see that from Kirk. He's been in the league for 10 years. He's smart enough. He's seen it all. And I don't know if it's Zimmer. I feel like it has to be. Just does, doesn't let him have the reins for whatever reason. And it's really, really biting us with clock management and just play calling. And it's, it's, it's frustrating with the talent that we have. And the year Kirk has had, other than this this past game. He's had a great year and a great past 16 games, and it's it's sadly going down the tube for the Vikings. Yeah, it is, and so is Mike Zimmer. I mean, he's going to have to really do something. I mean, they're going to have to make the playoffs and, and probably go on a run for him to even keep his job, which is very unlikely, uh, uh, at least in my mind now with the schedule coming up. They go to Baltimore next week, then they go to L.A., and then they have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers come to town. Brutal three-game stretch for the Vikings, especially without their best pass rusher. And in the second half, without Daniil Hunter, the pass rush 
like last year was non-existent and that's what I fear is going to be the problem for the rest of, of the season and that creates a lot of pressure on the secondary they were horrible on Sunday other than Xavier Woods and they're going to be in a tough situation now without seemingly without a pass rush for the for the rest of the season um couple stats I wanted to get to you mentioned the one of 13 on third down that's unacceptable that's horrible and even worse stat to go with it is nine of those third down attempts were passes not one of them was thrown to or past the sticks um on average five yards uh in front of the uh in front in front of the first down marker um Cousins was under duress 41 percent of his snaps that's a season high uh but he also unfortunately held onto the ball uh, longer than he had all season. He was averaging 2.99 seconds uh, of holding on to the ball on his dropbacks. And half of the 41 pressures came uh, after two and a half seconds uh, of Kirk holding the football. Um, that's just him being indecisive. That's Kirk from early last season. That's a regression uh, in what has been a, a, a rising stock of Kirk Cousins. That's a huge regression. That's back to the old Kirk. That's the gun shy, the afraid to take leadership, afraid to call timeouts at the end of the first half because your head coach forgot, I guess, or, or just doesn't know the situation. That That's back to the old Kirk, and that's just something that's terrible to see. And who knows, maybe they'll come out and play great uh, against the Ravens. I could see the Vikings finding a way to win one of these next three games and then looking pretty good in the other two. And then for there to be a little bit of hope that they go on a run and the Vikings are going to end up finishing in my mind, BG like seven and 10, eight and nine, something like that. Right around, you know, like week 14, week 15, they'd be like, all right, if they went out, they, they could have a chance and they're going to win like one or two of those games. And then it's going to be all over and they're going to get a terrible draft pick. They're going to fire Zimmer. They're going to be stuck with this team. And it just looks terrible right now. Cause it's been, for however many years now sell out and let's win now and they've been doing that and you can only do that for so long and once you do that for too long and you don't win everyone's going to be fired and the next administration that comes in is going to have a really tough time and it's going to take a number of years uh, to rebuild from the ground up and that's my fear right now with this Vikings team and unless they start winning games and it's going to be hard to do so they're going to be big underdogs in the next three uh, they're all going to lose their jobs BG, one last stat I want to mention on the Vikings. Uh, Next Gen Stats does an aggressiveness index uh, that defines, I guess, passing attempts and how close the nearest defender is. So it's any passes that there is a defender within one yard or less of a receiver at the time of uh, completion or incompletion. For week eight, Kirk Cousins ranked last among the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL um, with just 2.9% of his attempts. Uh, two receivers with a defender within one yard of the target. I mean, that's just despicable, just despicable. And, and it's really, it goes to show you how conservative he was. And, and there was times, I mean, I don't think the play calling was as horrendous maybe as it looked because there was just so many misreads from Kirk. There was so many times when he had chances to make throws on second and third down that he just refused to take. And there was screen, you know, screenshots on Arif Hassan's page of, like six different times where Kirk just flat out missed a read. And if you have maybe three of those where Kirk makes the right read, a couple of those could have been touchdowns. I mean, it was one time it was Jefferson down the sideline, wide open. 
another time it was Tyler Conklin wide open in the end zone. And I mean, just several, several times where Kirk just flat out missed a read and you can't have your $40 million a year quarterback doing that and expect to win games. Um, I got a couple of sound bites here. Here's Zimmer with Joe Schmidt. He's a uh, news director, sports director, I should say, at KSTP. This was the first question of Mike Zimmer's presser, kind of a weird one. Joe, followed by Dave. Yeah, Mike, how many times uh, can you go back to the well uh, with this team and say, let's just go back to work and fix our mistakes? Uh, do you think there needs to be anything more desperate than that or anything bigger than that? Like, what do you mean, Joe? Like, give me. I just, I, I, I'm, I asking, I'm asking your opinion. Call. Pardon me. Well, You're asking we, my opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about aggressive. You said aggressive play calling. The first play of the game, we tried to take a shot. Uh, we hit, tried to hit a double move on uh, uh, that we didn't connect on. We had uh, another uh, the one pass interference to uh, Jefferson when he got when he got hurt was a was a uh, deep over route. Um, you know, so it's not like we don't have those things that we're planning on doing. It's just sometimes they're not working, you know. Yeah, and that's it's just dead silence. It was a strange, strange start to what was a very short press conference, too. Usually the Monday pressers are like 15 minutes long, sometimes longer even. And it was about four, or it was like five minutes and 25 seconds. So it, mm-hmm. it was a very short press conference. It started out with that weird bit. Uh, Zimmer kind of going after Joe for whatever reason, just because he was upset with with the loss, and it, that that sounds to me, BG, like a head coach who's about to lose his job. Yeah, I mean he's super defensive. Um, he's trying to defend himself, and I would have loved if what was his name, Joe Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved if Joe Schmidt would just have responded with, "Well, you've got thirty seconds again um, in the second quarter before halftime, and you don't take a timeout." and you just let the clock run out. That's what I mean by being aggressive, trying to get as many points as you can and just not letting uh, the, the half come to an end. And I remember at, at St. Thomas in our one-year season, one-year careers there, BG, uh, that Caruso had a stat, and this was obviously related to the at, at the time a D3 football program, uh, but scoring before the half for St. Thomas was, and I don't remember the exact stat, but he said anytime we scored either a touchdown or a field goal, we would th- we would win this many more games where the percentage would go up by this amount. And it, I don't remember the exact stats, but I remember him making a point of emphasis all the time of scoring before the end of halves. And whether that be a touchdown or a field goal, it's just crucial to score before the end of halves and good teams find ways to do that. Like the Packers do that all the time. The, the Bucks do that all the time. The Patriots did that all the time when Tom Brady was there. I mean, that's what good teams do. And that's what good quarterbacks do is they drive their team down the field to get points before the end of halves. And that would have been huge. It'd been a big, uh, even if it was just a field goal, it would have been a big field goal going into half with, with Dallas getting the ball coming out of the second half. Um, I got nothing else from around the NFL BG. Uh, I guess Jameis went down. Um, what other news was there this week? It was a big win for for the uh, over the Bucks too, for the Saints. That, that was a uh, big win without Jameis. He's done for the year now. And uh, they're still in decent shape, though. They're still de- in pretty decent shape. Other games, let's see, what else, what other big games were there in the NFL this week? Colts, Colts and Titans, sounds like they're going to be without Derrick Henry now for mm-hmm. 
potentially the end of the season, um, but potentially for a playoff run or the very end of the regular season um, if they get to the playoffs because he's having foot surgery. Yeah, big loss for the Titans there. Um, let's just go. Let's just move on. I'm done with the NFL. Let's go to a little bit of good news here on the Wake and Take podcast. Gophers getting a huge win and now ranked 20th in the college football playoff, the first college football playoff. So it's not obviously a, a, a big deal yet, but you can stay up there, keep winning some games, moving up in the rankings, and it's really going to come down to Iowa and Wisconsin, as we've talked about all year, as, as it has been the case for many years now for the Gophers um, in a row, and they just haven't been able to get by those two teams. Uh, the Packers, I mean, the Badgers, I think once in the last 20 years, <clears throat> and Iowa we haven't beaten in like 10 years. So two big games still on the horizon. Don't want to hype up this Gopher team too much, uh, but a good win over Northwestern this weekend, 41-14. to 14. They did lose another running back, BG Bryce Williams, done for the year. Now it's the, I think, fourth running back we've lost uh, for this Gopher team, and they're really getting down to, I think, two or three guys. They moved over a linebacker um, to running back, and he actually scored uh, the last touchdown of the game. But down to three running backs now, uh, and they're still finding a way to get it done. I mean, this offense and defensive line for the Gophers has really carried them through the last four games, and 4-0 in, in the month of October was a, a very good month for for P.J. Fleck after that just disgusting loss to Bowling Green. But the Gophers on the move this week, BG. They got Illinois at home. Um, Illinois is not very good. What do you think the line is? Just cold guess. Uh, opening line for Gophers at home against Illinois. I'll say 14 and a half. Oh, I think that's right on the money. I'll also say I saw it earlier. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's a that's a pretty dang good guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and were you surprised? I mean, I'm a bit surprised to see the Gophers ranked now 20th in the first college football playoff ranking, uh, unranked still in the AP and the coaches poll getting votes though. So I would say based on the, like the number of votes, they were like number six or seven on the vote getter list for the AP. So that's like the 32nd ranked team or 33rd. Were you surprised to see, uh, Gophers ranked 20th in that first CFP ranking? Yeah, I guess I was a little pleasantly surprised there. Um, yes and no, because we are sitting at number one in the Big Ten West. Um, but at the same time, our best victory is probably over Purdue or maybe Colorado um, because we beat them 30-0 to zero on their turf. But we haven't really had a great win thus far this year. We've had the chance for it with Ohio State um, to start off the year, which was a good game. Um and I, I'm kind of surprised because we have that loss to Bowling Green. But um, with the way we're ranked right now, 20, and Wisconsin at 21 and Iowa at 22, we've got the opportunity to move up in the rankings uh, a good amount if we can beat both of those teams and win out this regular season. It's just too unfortunate that we had that loss to Bowling Green because potentially being a one-loss team – and your one loss comes the first game in the season to Ohio State, who knows um, where our ceiling could be. But at the end of the day, I'm happy that we're ranked number 20th, especially coming back from that bad, bad Bowling Green loss. And it seems like each week since then, um, we're getting better, even with losing some of our key guys. Yeah, and it starts in the trenches. They've been fabulous uh, on that offense and defensive line, and they just got to keep 
relying on that, relying on the run game is it's like Mike Zimmer's dream. PJ and, and Zim just need to switch <laughs> jobs and they Zimmer has everything he wants. A ball control offense who can't throw the football and just runs it like fifty times in a row. Um Illinois this week, then we go to Iowa. That's going to be the big one, uh, at least the first big one. And we'll see how they can fare against the Hawkeyes, who just got worked uh, last weekend, BG, at Camp Randall. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be a good game. They'll be ready to play the Gophers at Kinnick. Always a tough place to win. Uh, But we'll see. Never know. Uh, Let's talk a little wild Kind of a tough start for the Wild, I guess. I mean, they got off to to a good start. Now they lost a couple in a row. Uh, they're five and three. They're playing as we speak, actually, um, against the Senators. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov still no goals for him. BG. Uh, he's got a bunch of shots, and I guess he's had a couple hit hit the uh, pipe. And if you just go wide, but uh, the the national narrative right now, at least for or the local narrative, I should say for the Wild is. Is still Kirill Kaprizov with no goals on the season, but you got to imagine once he gets his first, the uh, the floodgates are just going to be broken, and he's going to just go on a tear. Because uh, he's, I think he's playing fine. I mean, I've only watched a handful of games, but he every time he touches the puck, it's just electric, and he still makes like the, the sweetest passes you're ever going to see, um, at least when the Wild are playing. So, kind of a tough state of affairs for for the Wild, I guess, with two losses in a row. Hopefully, they get back on track and they have. Uh, another win, and they sit at six and three by the time this pod comes out. BG, let's wrap the show with Wolves. Uh, they beat the Bucks last week. We didn't record last week, but they beat the Bucks, which was a solid win. I think was it Lopez? Lopez who was out um, for the yeah, Bucks? Lopez, Lopez, Drew Holiday, and uh, somebody else. Okay, so they were. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. They were, I guess, playing against a a banged up Bucks team, but they did get the win. Uh, which is on the road too, which was a good win for this young team. But then they go and lose two in a row, uh, one to the Nuggets, one to the Magic, and the Magic are a pretty bad team. Uh, it just seems like a lack of defense, BG. I guess Edwards hasn't been as aggressive. I haven't watched uh, since the first couple of games, but it, it just seems like Edwards isn't aggressive enough. The offense is non-existent at times. It's a lot of pickup one-on-one basketball. There's not a lot of movement, not a lot of – sharing of the basketball, not a lot of extra passes, and D'Lo continues to suck. Is that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think most of that is pretty true. Um, our offense, the, these past couple of games, pretty much every game actually except the first game where we took it to the Rockets. But since then, our offense has not looked good. Um, we're not really playing team ball. It doesn't look smooth out there. Uh, you said a D'Angelo Russell has probably had one game out of the six, and those other five were very poor games um, where he's taking bad shots. He's not even close to some of the shots he's taking and just not playing defense. Um, the one bright spot is we've actually been playing good defense throughout the, the short season. I saw before um, Monday night's game that we were fourth in the league in defensive efficiency and like 26th or 25th on the offensive end. So defense is the reason why we've been close in some of the games and had an opportunity to win pretty much every game we've been in thus far, uh, like the Nuggets game and like the Magic game. But it's just the offense that's not putting it together. Um, we, we really rely on our big three, Towns, 
D'Lo and Ant for probably 70% of our scoring. And it's tough when D'Lo isn't playing well. Anthony Edwards, he's scoring, but he's shooting a lot. And he's shooting a lot of bad shots, kind of how he started off the season last year where he's settling for that step back three or he's not driving and he's not finishing through contact or just finishing layups. He's missed a lot of uh, close layups, which is exactly how last season started for him. Um, Towns has been old, the old reliable guy who puts up 25 points, double-double pretty much every night, but he just does not play defense. So we've got some things to fix. Um, obviously coming off of Chris Finch's first year um, starting as the head coach of the Wolves. And this is probably around his 10th game with Towns, D'Lo, and Anthony Edwards healthy and playing together. So there's been some ups and some downs so far this year, but it's definitely too early to say uh, what kind of year we're going to have. We've got the potential to be a playoff team, I think, but we've also got that Timberwolves mentality where we're going to start chucking up threes when we don't really have any great three-point shooters and not relying on our defense. So um, got some potential, but we're going to need to put it together and hopefully more games um, when we get our starters playing together, gets them more chemistry and we can start getting more W's. Yeah. A sad state of affairs this week on the way you can take podcast really <laughs> headlined headlined by the Minnesota Vikings and the home loss to Cooper Rush, something called Cooper Rush. Uh, BG, we'll be back next week. Hopefully we're talking some better things. Hopefully it's, it's a surprising Vikings win. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up, but you never know. We'll see you guys all then. There is a house in New Orleans. They
rise in sun.